Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 273. And this week we have a special treat for you. We have two special guests on Perpetual Traffic, the first of which is Erin McPherson, who you might have heard in a couple of previous Perpetual Traffic episodes. She is the GM of the Scalable Agency. Welcome to PT, Erin. Hey, Ralph. And we also have Molly, our longtime guest, longtime co-host. Been a long time since she's been on, but that's all right, because she's got a lot to tell you guys today. We're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff of how a smart marketer has been able to change up some of their front-end offers. And we're also going to relate that over to the world of big brands with Erin's experience, which is going to be tremendously insightful. So I'm really excited to get into the content here today. Molly, how you been? How are you? Welcome back. Hey, buddy. Hey, everybody. Super happy to be here. What's up, Perpetual Traffic Crowd? I've missed you guys. When Ralph said it had been three months, I was like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) I think I told you I thought it had been six weeks. So time is flying, but lots of good stuff happening, building new things, which is always fun and excited to tell you guys about it because uh, it's something we just did. It's it's hot off the presses, as they say. Yeah, no, this is super exciting. I think the last time you were on, you were talking about how you rebuilt an entire traffic system from scratch. And we had two episodes on that. Maybe you can just give us a little bit of an update on how that's been going. And we can uh, segue a little bit into the really cool stuff that you've been doing and what all brands can do for that matter, especially now, because front-end content, front-end pre-engagement content is king no matter your price point. So uh, tell us a little bit about how that traffic system that was built from scratch way back in June is doing now. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, definitely do so. Thank you guys for the positive feedback about that. I got a lot of questions on Instagram, people trying to build similar traffic systems. So that's really cool. Keep it up. And, you know, that was at the beginning of the summer. So that evergreen traffic system was really there to generate leads, generate customers at all times and sell our evergreen products. And what's interesting is that's really the first time that we had evergreened on a consistent basis our Train My Traffic Person digital offer, which is an offer where you receive the recordings of the previous TMTP mentorship. So it's a self-paced, you don't get access to us, but you still get the information 
type of author at $11.97. And then of course, we sell the mentorship as I've talked to you guys about twice a year at 3000. So it was great over the last few months and over the summer to really tend to that traffic system. As you know, it's a constant process of updating ads, coming up with new hooks, coming up with new audiences that we wanted to target. So of course, there was a lot of that over the summer. Looking back in the last week or two, back into June, those campaigns as a whole performed at about a 2.5 return on ad spend, which we were really happy with, building the email list in a nice way, generating new customers. But we knew that we had to get ready for this big launch that we did. And this is a launch that we do every fall for that cohort of the Train My Traffic Person mentorship. And this will be the fifth time that we've done this launch. So I knew looking back, especially since we had been selling this evergreen product, which we hadn't offered before, I knew we had to switch up the front end offer. I knew we had to do the launch a bit different than we've ever done before. We couldn't just run the same plays (laughs) that we had run in the past because we didn't have as much scarcity as we did in the past since we had been offering this digital version. And I think just the world we're living in right now, I knew we needed to change things up. So uh, that launch is what we just completed. It went really well. And I'm excited to tell you guys about what we did. So the reason for the shift in the front end offer for, in essence, the same offer, we're using offer twice, but the, the paid side of this is really it's the same product that you had launched prior. You're just changing up your how you actually warm up that traffic. And because you had been running this evergreen sort of in the middle, you felt, you know, rightfully so, because of the success of the launch we're going to be talking about here in just a second, that you should change that up. Like, what was it about that, that you just thought, all right, this is something we got to do. Was it more of a hunch? Was it data? Was it recent trends? Like what's your sense? Yeah. A little bit of, of all of those things, really. I think the biggest was that the seven day free Facebook ad class that I talked about in the last episodes that I was on here on PT, that free seven day Facebook ad class, that is what we had been using as the front end of these launches. And since it worked so well, we decided to evergreen it to sell the evergreen experience of this particular program. Mm -hmm. So I knew if we just came out, right, we we were already running ads for the seven-day class. I knew if we just upspend or change the ads out like we had been doing to keep these campaigns rolling, it just wasn't going to give us the momentum that we needed for this to truly be a launch. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I just knew that we had to switch things up. And it was mostly because we needed a brand new, fresh offer that really got people excited. Right. And I think this is a good lesson for everyone who's listening, whether or not you're an info product like Molly, whether you're a bigger brand, which we'll get into uh, with Aaron, or whether you're selling an e-commerce product. Like You should be always thinking about how can I freshen up my front-end offer, not just my ads, We obviously talk about paid ads here and content quite a bit, but it's not just the ads. It's also about thinking really specifically about how do I front end a way in which to indoctrinate people who will ultimately buy 
and really thinking about that in a fresh way and maybe sort of turning your offer upside down on its head like we do sometimes at tier 11 with some of our customers, like really thinking deeply about this. And also, if you are going to be offering something like train my traffic person here, maybe you should pull out sort of an element of that course and maybe offer that as a teaser towards what you're going to be getting when you pay for the whole shebang kind of thing. So, I mean, I think this is a really important lesson for all marketers is, especially now, it's like, I think in Facebook and Instagram, which is obviously what me and Molly know tremendously, but it's, you know, Facebook gets tired of the same thing over and over again. It's like, you know, there's recent trends in the last three to six months where, you know, we're seeing some strange things happening inside Ads Manager. And it's usually because, it's the same offer that's being run over and over and over again. And whether or not the algorithm is trying to super target people who look exactly like the people who you've converted before, or whether it's just the way things are moving forward, because there's more competition with like political ads and everything else, especially in the U S we're not really sure. But one of the constants is think fresh about your front end way in which you approach traffic. And uh, we certainly do that here inside tier 11. It's really important. It's so true that you said this is, this is not just for info businesses. I mean, even with boom, Ezra's e-commerce company, the biggest thing that we're focusing on right now from an ad perspective is testing different pre-sale articles. You know, we still run most of our cold traffic to five makeup tips for older women, which mm -hmm. they've been running traffic to for five years. Right. But that doesn't mean that we're not constantly testing not only other pre-sale articles, but also other front-end offer mechanisms like offering a five selfie tips lead magnet for someone to opt into and then selling them makeup. So it's not just changing the topic or like what, what you're discussing via this information. It's also thinking about delivering it in different ways to appeal to different parts of the market that are just looking for a different experience. Yeah. And I think that five makeup tips for women who are over 50 is one of those unicorn pages. It really is like people who are listeners of you or listeners of the show and obviously have heard Ezra know that that thing just keeps running and running, and running like the ever like evergreen, you know. But the, I'm saying that even that gets tired. It does. Absolutely. The biggest focus right now is simply testing other offers in terms of content discussion. Like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe if we don't talk about makeup tips, maybe if we talk about selfies, which is a big pain point for the audience. You know, my mom's always like, I don't know how to take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how will that work? And will we be able to scale? I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. I knew that with this launch, we wouldn't get the scale that we were looking for if we use the same old offer, you know, delivered in the exact same way that we had done in the past. So I knew we needed to change both aspects of it. Yeah. So, well, if somebody can issue a course of like how to actually use FaceTime on an iPhone with my mom, I think she would be like the first one uh, to sign up for that course. But anyway, I digress. So let's get right into the how you change things up here and then get a little sense as to how big brands and, and other types of advertisers, non-info based, and when I say info based, you, you're basically selling how to do something here. It's a digital course. How did you actually change it up and, and what kind of results did you get? What was the strategy? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I knew, like I said, that, that we wanted to change things up in a big way. One thing that I knew is that we weren't going to be able to do this 
someone opts in and gets a free course dripped out via email. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. It's traditional. What we're doing here with this TMTP mentorship is that it's a live class. We teach twice a year. And the benefit is not only that the content is fresh and always relevant because we're teaching it live and I update it every time, but it's also the interaction that the students get. You know, we mm -hmm. bring on about 130 students every time. They ask questions, they submit, you know, everything that they're doing for feedback. We help them with roadblocks. So there's a lot of interaction going on. And chances are you're probably hitting some of the same people on your list that have probably been through the evergreen sequence and didn't actually buy. Absolutely. I think like 30% of them had been through the evergreen sequence before. Right. And so I knew we wanted this, it's more than a lead magnet. I mean, I can't even call what we did a lead magnet necessarily, but I knew I wanted to provide a little taste of that experience. And that's something that we hadn't done through the dripped out email campaign. So we decided to do a 10 day Facebook ads bootcamp. Train My Traffic Person does cover YouTube and Google. And actually anyone that purchased during this mentorship actually got free access to uh, Brett Curry's Google and YouTube course that we had through Smart Marketer. Cool. So what I'm selling wasn't just about Facebook ads, but I know that's what most people are interested in. And I did want some specificity here so that people knew what they were learning. And so we position this as, hey, you know, a boot camp is a time where you are focusing most of your energy on bettering yourself in one area of life. You know, a yeah. lot of people think that boot camps are about fitness um, or, you know, in some way they're related to that, which we did run a lot of funny ads of like me playing soccer and Ezra working out. Like we totally played off of the <laughs> idea that this is a fitness word. You know, we, we had to. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, that's great. I didn't even see that. We, we wanted to call it a boot camp so that people did understand that this was a live experience. Everyone would be going through this at the same time. And no matter where they were on their skill level, when it came to Facebook advertising, the goal is that after those 10 days, they leave a better advertiser. They leave a more informed advertiser. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, okay, this is a seven day class or a 10 day class. I said, look, we're going to teach you what's working right now in Facebook advertising in regards to the system that we use to build our Facebook campaigns. So we broke that down into five different trainings. And I think that's a reason this offer was so strong is that people knew that just for their first name, last name, email address, and phone number, they were going to be given a crap ton of value. You know, these are like basically five two-hour webinars that we did. So I knew that the boot camp aspect would make it feel relevant, fresh, live. I'm doing this with others. And then I also knew that the fact that it was five live trainings, that it just, it was going to be hard to say no to. Like that was a really good offer and a much better offer than the evergreen seven day class that we have, especially because it was timely, right? It only happened over the course of a few weeks. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear 
you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So about 12 days before the bootcamp, we started running ads. We used a normal landing page for us, built-in Zipify pages that promoted this bootcamp. We were able to generate, I think, almost 12,000 opt-ins. Most of them were cold traffic, which was really exciting, but I didn't know exactly what to expect. We did start running these ads mid-August when you know things started getting really fun in Ads Manager for all of us advertisers for <laughs> multiple reasons. Mm. And right out of the gate, I was like, whoa, okay, CPL is more expensive than I expected. CPL is even more expensive than on these evergreen campaigns that we've been running for a few months, which by the way, we decided to turn those off during the launch just so we could have all of this focus spend going to this launch and we didn't have any competition there or confusion for uh, end users. And so we did notice a high CPL right out of the gate, uh, which Ralph, I'm sure you've been talking a lot about. And a Mm -hmm. lot of advertisers have been experiencing lots of different reasons for that. One thing that we did note was that our landing page was converting a little bit lower than we were expecting. And luckily, John on um, our team, John Grimshaw, our CMO, he quickly looked at some heat maps. He noticed where, first off, he noticed that 92% of traffic going to our opt-in page was mobile traffic, Mm -hmm. which some of you guys might not be super surprised by that. But for us, it's Smart Marketer. Usually it's about 60 to 65% of traffic is on mobile. Interesting. We were like, whoa, this is, I mean, a huge increase in mobile traffic. And I think a lot of that is just where people are spending their time nowadays. I think it also just had to do with the inventory that was available to us at the time based off of the audiences that we were targeting. But when you opened our opt-in page on mobile, we had way too much text in the subhead and it was pushing the form field. It was pushing the opt-in below the fold, which we know is a digital marketing party foul. (laughs) And, you know, oops on us for not checking that before. But we removed a few lines of that text, set up a quick split test. And within about three days, he reported back, okay, 
things are looking better. We've increased the conversion rate on the page about 15%, which is still significant. And that really helped with the cost per lead. We did uh, some other things to introducing new ads, broadening out our audiences more than we ever have before, digging more into interest research than we ever have before, doing anything that we can to get those CPMs down, which for us are always about finding new audiences that aren't as competitive and increasing the unique link click-through rate on our ads to show Facebook, hey, people really like this, right? Right. So we were really focusing on those two areas. Other than the page, we were focusing on targeting and introducing new copy and creative over those 12 days. But, you know, during a launch, it's pretty scary, right? We have 12 days to generate you know, X amount of leads. And then we're going to teach this bootcamp live in this, this Facebook group. (laughs) And And you never know if they're going to convert, right? No, you have no idea. So, you know, we're committing at this phase to, we're going to spend 50 grand on lead generation. It's like jumping off a cliff with a parachute and hoping the parachute opens. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what we did. And Legion was great. I think about 80% of people that opted in for the bootcamp actually joined the Facebook group, which Mm. I was pretty happy with. And then the rest of this experience was delivered through a Facebook group, which is very different from anything that we've done in the past. And it was around the idea of a pop-up Facebook group, which you're hearing a lot of people talk about. We wanted to test that. We also liked it because, as I said earlier, it provided more of a taste of the experience that you get in Train My Traffic Person, which we also deliver (laughs) through a Facebook group. And it was just the best way for us to give that value. But before we let people in the group... We sat down with our community manager, Joe, and our marketing manager, Danny. There's no way I could have done this on my own with, you know, 10,000 plus opt-ins for this thing. And we decided, okay, how are we going to set expectations in this group so that it's not out of hand, you know, and so that we can give people the best value possible so that they love Smart Marketer and so that they want to join TMTP. So we had a very guided experience that was a tiny bit different from the mentorship and the fact that, you know, people couldn't post in the group their own post, right? They couldn't, we didn't want it to be that you logged into this group and there are hundreds of posts of people asking questions. Like that is not sustainable. So we controlled the conversation And when they joined over the course of five days before the actual training started, we had a series of posts and videos from myself that we put in the group, asking them to introduce themselves, asking what their number one block with ads were at the moment, which not only was it interesting to allow me to cater the information to them, it was also crazy good market research. (laughs) (laughs) Because now I have a post with, you know, 500 plus answers from my audience on what their biggest pain point is. You know, it, it made it a lot easier for me to do the marketing the rest of the launch. But just so you guys know, it wasn't like join the group and everybody do what they want. That would have been scary. And so th- this was very formulaic. So you said 85% of your opt-ins actually joined the group, which is super high. So how many yeah. people are we talking? Like, are we yeah, talking? I think like seven or 8,000. Seven or 8,000. 
yeah, yeah as you can so, see that might get a little out of hand if you allow everybody to post oh, a question totally. yeah so. and that wasn't the purpose like we, right. we had these five trainings the first training was about your author which is what we're discussing now which mm-hmm. is the most important aspect but something people don't really like to listen to they want to get into the ad stuff right. but the ad stuff doesn't matter without the author so side mm-hmm. rant there mm-hmm. <laughs> oh we rant on that all the time just go back to episode 271 anyway go <laughs> yeah the second training was targeting you know i love to go deep on those or sure. on, on that topic the third was copy and creative The fourth was everything after you launch. So optimization, scale, things like that. And then the fifth was a proper Q&A critique call so that they could get a feel for what that was like, but not with the expectation that you could just post in the group and, you know, get an answer. So anyways, just so you guys know how we handled that, it was very formulaic in the group. So we taught five live classes over the course of 10 days. So we had a class on Wednesday, we had a class on Friday, we had a class on that next Monday, we had a class on Wednesday, and then we had a class on Friday. And then the following Wednesday, we closed the group down all together so that there was scarcity around, hey, this information is going away. Very similar to how you would do with a webinar replay. For sure. All done through Facebook Lives, I assume, like right in the group, that kind of thing. Actually, and I think this was a good move for us based off our past experience. Knock on wood, we have a lot of tech issues with Facebook Lives. And the last thing that I wanted to happen was a tech issue during this launch. So for each of those live class days, we first had a training that was on GoToWebinar And those had about 500 to 800, 900 people on them. Those were at 6 p.m. Europe time, noon Eastern, 11 Central. So it was more friendly with with my time here in Europe, which I think was good for my Mm -hmm. energy and just- Well, it is all about you, actually. You are the one that's from the class. Not all, not all. um, (laughs) In this regard, my energy was really important. And then we took the recording of that and at 7 p.m. Eastern, so 1 a.m. my time, I'm already in bed. The team uploads that as a watch party, replays it in the group. The team is live there in the questions in case people you know, are having any issues or, or need help with something. So there were two, one was on GoToWebinar and then later in the day, it was a watch party. And then that goes into a unit in the Facebook group where people can go back and watch the replay until we actually close the group down. Oh, tremendous. So that was the first step of this whole thing. And again, we had never done something like this before, but I did feel in my gut it was going to work really well because number one, we gave a ton of value up front. It was in a live setting. It in a a much better way mimics the TMTP experience. Mm -hmm. And you just don't see a lot of people doing this in the digital ad space. You know, it's something a bit newer, right? Than a dripped out, pre-recorded video campaign. It's still content up front, but it's in a different way in a fresh way. And they're also getting a taste of, oh, this is what I'm going to get in the Facebook group if I actually join this program. Super smart. How was the engagement inside the Facebook pop-up, the pop-up Facebook group? Like aside from you guys posting 
Like there was just tons and tons of comments. So people were really feeling it. Like I said, we didn't allow people post on to post on their own, right? but the posts that we put in the group, whether it was us engaging with them or whether it was a watch party. Yeah. We had a ton of engagement and just a lot of people grateful that the information was free. I mean, when we started out, it was going to be five 45 minute sessions. <laughs> and you know, John is like, Molly, you need to keep it in 45 minutes. Like, right. please try, please try to keep it in 45 minutes. I know you, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm watching yep. you. Um, I'm not convinced. Anyway, go the ahead. The first training was two hours. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's more like it. And it was just, you know, if I was going to do it, I was going to do it all out. Yeah. And looking back, I do need to cut it back because there were, so, we gave so much up front. I mean, that's like, that's a, eight hour course. That's a 10 hour course right there. You just want to create so much value, Molly Pittman. That was too much. And there were so many people that were fulfilled by that. You know, they're like, oh, I don't want more. So looking back, we'll trim it down a bit. (laughs) We'll probably change the the theme of it. We'll change uh, the training topics next time to keep it fresh. But this delivery and the way that we did it for a launch style I very much liked it and it worked tremendously well, especially because I didn't know how this was going to work, not only because of what's going on in the world, but also because we've been selling this product evergreen. So there wasn't as much of a pinup demand for people to get on the wait list, even though the mentorship hadn't been available. There was a lot of people that have been you know, satisfied over the last six months buying the evergreen course. Yeah, you had to give something really fresh and something really new and really innovative. And it's exactly what you did because of that evergreen running on the back of the evergreen, which, you know, whether or not you have an evergreen offer and you're choosing this strategy for your business or not, the point is, is like we're changing up the front end offer of how we approach cold traffic or my team loves to joke around with as you crack the code on cold traffic. And it's usually with some kind of way to engage them, show you can help them by actually helping them, as a wise man named Kern once said. And it's really true. It doesn't really change all that much. This is still human behavior, but your delivery is different and it's distinctive. And the idea of the the pop-up Facebook group is like, this is a really big deal. And we're seeing this as a trend, you know, and it really uh, obviously helped with conversions to the point where I would have to assume that this launch was fairly successful from a monetary perspective. This was our best one yet. So that's really exciting. And you know what else I did from a risk standpoint? We still kept the same sales webinar that we always do. We've done the same sales webinar now five times. So we kept that. And that actually happened during the last week of the boot camp. We excluded bootcamp people from that webinar because we thought it would be too much. Next time we'll have the webinar the next week. That was way too much happening in one week. And it was a little bit confusing, but we did keep that sales webinar as a safety net of, we always do this. It always works. Let's just change, like you were saying, the front end offer. We didn't run any cold ads to the webinar this time. You know, we solely relied on the boot camp for the front end. So we did keep a little bit of safety there in that part of, of the offer. And then, of course, same thing with that. We made the replay available for five days for the sales webinar. Then that replay expired. 
Then we had another nine days of promotion, just direct promotion for the launch, scarcity, and that was that. So something else we're doing different this time too, because we do have this evergreen version that's much cheaper. You know, obviously the number one objection we're hearing on this $3,000 offer is it's too expensive. Right. So right now we closed last week. Right now to these bootcamp folks, we're running a $500 off flash sale that's essentially a downsell to this digital version that I think will help a lot of people who weren't able to join the mentorship. So that's yeah. something new. I don't know exactly how that's going to do, but. But we'll have to have you back on again and give us an update on that. So, I mean, if you're, if you're listening here and you're saying, all right, well, that's great. That's Molly Pittman. And like, she knows what she's doing on these sorts of things. And she's a Facebook expert, but you know, I'm a brand manager or I've got a smaller business, or maybe I'm just trying to sell soap or, you know, a supplement. Does this actually really apply? Does this whole concept of pre-engagement content, engaging your customer, giving them something of value and creating a pop-up Facebook group in the process to really engage them? If you're thinking to yourself, maybe that's me or how can I actually apply this? Well, if you are a larger brand, Aaron has had a lot of experience with this kind of stuff and you know really large brands and your previous experience marketing, obviously from a content experience, but you know, it's not too dissimilar the success that you've had with these bigger brands and, and other types of products as Molly's explaining here for an info product that, yeah, it's a $3,000 price point, but can this be used to sell Elmer's glue or Tide detergent or Walmart could potentially use this? Maybe talk to us a little bit about like how you've been able to use that in the past in your previous experience so brands can, can use this sort of really innovative and and different strategy to engage their potential customers. You know, Ralph, I've been listening for the last couple minutes and just thinking about how amazing it is to hear two people who are like traffic nerds. And I'm saying that with a whole lot of respect. You guys just love traffic and you love thinking about how to best create offers and convert. And I come from a very different perspective because my background is as a creative strategist. And so while I know very little about how to create these traffic funnels and bring the traffic in, I know a lot about how to get people to be interested in that front-end offer. And that's what Molly was talking about with this really cool Facebook group. Absolutely. And what I've done in a lot in the past is I've gotten tasks from big brands at the agency I used to work for asking me to sell a certain product. I'm thinking of a couple specific ones that I'll tell you about. And these are products that everybody has heard of a million times. And so it's one of those things where you can't just put up an offer and say, oh, buy Elmer's glue for your school mm -hmm. supplies because everybody knows that you buy Elmer's glue for your school supplies. Because you need to stick stuff together. Exactly. And so my job was to always think about how do I get those people hooked in so they want to buy Elmer's glue or they want to buy Lysol disinfecting wipes. And it's really, it was a fun job. I loved it. I love this current job more, but we can talk about that another time. But similar to Molly, I really had to think about how to bring people in and provide so much value that they couldn't help but buy Elmer's glue or they couldn't help but buy Lysol disinfecting wipes. And so I can talk a little bit about some of those early offers that we did to bring people into the fold. Absolutely. One of the ones that I love was with Lysol. They obviously sell a whole bunch of bleach and <laughs> disinfecting wipes and mm. sprays. And their initiative, this was in 2018, so pre-pandemic, was to get 
parents to feel like Lysol was the number one cleaning supply that they needed in their houses and that teachers needed it in their classrooms. And to kind of show teachers that, you know, you wipe down the desk with Lysol, your kids are going to be less sick. Your students are going to be less sick, less days off. And kind of relevant to right now. Pretty relevant to right now. And of course, this was before that. But yeah. And the funny thing was, is at the time, that market was so saturated. Like everybody knew that you used Lysol wipes to clean things. And the question wasn't really whether you needed Lysol wipes. It was whether you were going to buy Clorox wipes, Lysol wipes, or some like homeopathic home brand that was all natural. And I think that was important. So what we did is we created um, a whole bunch of different little offers. But the big one we created was a Facebook group where teachers and parents could share ideas for how they use Lysol wipes, which again, the only way you use them is to wipe things. But you can get real creative if you want to. And we created a classroom makeover challenge where people teachers around the country were basically sending in why their classroom needed to be made over so it would be healthier and happier. And then people could like give them tips and ideas. And then at the end of the challenge, we chose one teacher and we completely redid her classroom, of course, with tons of Lysol wipes and tons of ideas for how to make the classroom healthy and happy. And you would think that this would be like a minor thing, but millions of people engaged in this challenge because it was something that was super relevant. Teachers want to know how to make their classrooms safe. Parents want their kids to be safe. Yeah. And it was really fun. And the classroom that we ended up making over was um, a teacher at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, which was the high school in Florida that had suffered that horrible school shooting. And I will post the video in the show notes of this show. But it ended up being this like really tear-jerking, emotional video at the end where this entire group kind of got this culmination of their um, work. And guess what? Lots and lots and lots, like I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people, went on to that website and downloaded their little coupon for a dollar off of Lysol disinfecting wipes. And significantly higher numbers of teachers put Lysol disinfecting wipes by name on their school supply list the next year. And so there was like this like real impact from this like thing that was somewhat irrelevant. But I mean, that's amazing. I mean, we're really talking about the same thing that we were talking about with Molly. It's pre-engaging, you know, getting a Facebook group. In this case, it's an active Facebook. It's not a pop-up Facebook group, I'm assuming, or it was one that you just sort of created and it's still probably going on to this day. We actually took it down. I think the same thing, scarcity, but you can still get all the materials on different websites. Got it. So- same basic principle and you're selling disinfectant wipes as opposed to a $3,000 product. This is, like human nature isn't all that different. And I mean, obviously you've got, uh, it, you know, a challenge like she had a boot camp. I mean, there's so many different similarities here. And obviously it sounds like this was a, a huge success. Not only that, but I'm sure they got a lot of user generated content that they can probably use in their marketing to this day. Which they do. And, you know, cool ideas that we then turned into, you know, little how-to videos, you know, how to use your Lysol wipes to do this and that. And I can post some of the campaign materials in the show notes, but it's one of those things, like you said, where we're engaging the audience in a way that makes them feel like they're related to and understood. And because of that, they buy and how did you how did you get them into 
the group and to engage with you to begin with? Was that like your media buying group that did that? Like, how did that kind of all start? Molly didn't get into like a lot of the specifics about how she targeted these people, but we were using obviously Facebook and Instagram. How did that kind of get going? Was it through a list? Like, how did you guys do that? Well, I had brilliant traffic people like you guys working on that. So we did a lot of social promotion, a lot of email promotion, and a lot of um, paid. So pretty much the same types of things that any marketer would use to get initially people into the group. And the thing is, is that since it was a free offer, similar to Molly's, people were all about it. You know, hey, I am going to learn how to make my classroom safe. Easy peasy. Here we go. So you really did target classrooms. Like, was this at the start of the school year? Was it prior to that? It was like uh, during like a back to school time in August, July into September. Like, what was the timing of it? We ran the campaign in like about school supply list creating time, which is March and April. And then we heavily promoted it later in the year when people could go back and see things. And we also created supplemental content later in the year. That's tremendous. So you're already hitting on that like pain point of prior to school. And so you're the the front end offer was, hey, you know, join the group. Like, how did you engage them in it through the traffic that your media buyers are running? Yeah. Join the group, learn about healthy, safe classrooms. Come to this page. You'll get tons of free information and content, teachers, parents, anyone. And then we did have a coupon and it was really interesting because you think coupons work, but coupons convert after you've engaged them. And so at the beginning, Mm. nobody was using that coupon. But once they learned all these ideas, that coupon just skyrocketed. And I want to say we had over 900,000 downloads of the coupon in like the couple weeks leading up to school. But I want to say in March, it was like a thousand. Wow. Okay. And how many people were in the actual Facebook group? How many many folks did you get in there? A multiple of 900,000? It was not a multiple of 900,000, but it was definitely six figures. We had a pretty big audience beforehand. And I do have to say, so my agency only worked with teachers and parents. And we had a very big list and a very big audience. And so we had the benefit of being able to really target and bring people in to these types of programs, hence why big brands were working with us. Yeah. So we had oh, that absolutely. little advantage. Yeah, for sure. So you had an in-house list you were obviously hitting and then, you know, maybe, you know, through social making your custom audiences and your lookalike audiences and everything off that. So Exactly. Yeah. We had a house list totally. of over four million that was highly segmented. So that's where you can really hone in. And and you had mentioned before this isn't the first time that you had actually tried this kind of strategy. You know, get into a group, whether it's a Facebook pop-up group or a pop-up Facebook group, I guess is the right way to say it. Uh, but then also then giving them an offer and then increasing engagement. It's like this is a strategy that that you've used prior with other big brands. It's not just for, you know, Lysol, but it's for really for any brand that wanted to do this sort of thing and re-engage an audience, especially right now. I mean, imagine if, you know, a cleaning supply company was doing this to this day, maybe Lysol is doing it again. They are. But you're not there. Oh, they are. Okay. (laughs) Of course they are. I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, why wouldn't you? But this can be done for other brands. You've got some experience there as well. And it's all, like I said, it's all the same thing that we were talking about in the first 20 minutes of the show here today. It's about engaging the audience with free content. And then the conversion event is just sort of a natural progression. I agree. Yeah. I could go on and on and on about this. You might have to stop me because I think I could talk about this for two hours, but I agree. It's all about creating this almost like community or this place where the the audience feels like they belong and their people are understood. And from there, they're willing to move on. So one of the other examples that I really love about this idea of like community and 
getting people into like a group and then marketing to them comes from Walmart. And this was maybe six or seven years ago. So a long time ago. And Walmart was launching their curbside pickup. And I know that now every single person listening to this has used curbside pickup a billion times. And so this is not new, but back then it was new. That was a big idea. It was a big idea. And back then they wanted to engage millennial moms. And the idea was like, these are the moms who are just getting really, really young kids and they're just kind of entering the workforce and they're crazy and they don't want to drag their toddler into Walmart to buy their groceries. Mm. And Walmart had this coupon and I'm sure a million of you have seen it because when they launched it, it was $10 off your first $50 purchase. And they had just spammed the internet with it. They had influencers everywhere talking about it. And because it's Walmart, they had hired I mean, I bet it was 10 agencies to basically get people to download this coupon so they would buy a curbside to go. That was the whole goal. And everybody was talking about it. Get your $10 off, get your $10 off. And my team got together and we were like, if we do the same thing everyone else is doing, we're just going to get lost in the shuffle. And I would imagine those coupons were were pretty successful for Walmart, but you're thinking, all right, what's a different way to differentiate and also expand the market at the same time? Not everybody is a coupon person like myself included, but... That was sort of the rationale when you when you were approaching this. Well, and also because anyone could go onto Facebook at the time or onto anywhere and find a coupon. And mm-hmm. so we had to think, how do we get them to download our coupon more than anyone else's, even though it's all Got the it. same coupon? Because we knew that Walmart was judging their future agency buys. And obviously, it's all about making money on uh-huh. how many coupons were downloaded. And so we wanted them to use our code. Sure. And so again, we started thinking, how do we pull in millennial moms and make them feel like they're understood and they're part of a group? So again, because our list was mostly teachers, we created kind of like a um, downloadable lead magnet type thing. And it also had a print version where we sent teachers all these ideas for the best school year ever. And it had ideas for teachers. And then on the inside, there were little tiny handouts that you could either print to send home to parents or you could pull off if you got a print version. And it sent home to parents and it had recipes. It had um, lists of things that you need to keep your homework area healthy. It had all sorts of ideas for healthy school. It had charts for chores. It had charts for lists. And all of these things were brought together in, again, a Facebook group and on a website where moms could interact and be like, oh, I did this to go for back to school. And oh, on the way home from work, I stopped by Walmart and got this stuff to make this recipe for dinner. And my kids loved it. And once again, these little tiny ways that people are involved in a community and getting to know people and getting great content. And suddenly, everybody's going after that coupon. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Did for both of these groups, for both of the examples, the Lysol and the Walmart example, did you put any limitations on the Facebook group, kind of like what Molly did? I mean, otherwise, I mean, I'm sure this is at a larger scale than Train My Traffic person, so it could get a little out of hand. How did you control that part of things, but still, you know, have the feeling for everybody that they matter and that their voice matters and that they are being engaged by whoever's managing the group? Yeah. Again, we had a huge advantage and I recognize that not all brands could do this in that we had Mm -hmm. very strong social people. We had very strong community managers. And honestly, these brands paid us a lot of money. And so when you're making a lot of money, you can invest in having people manage the group. Yeah. And I know that that like feels unfair, but we could have people in there to manage the group and make people feel that way. 
Well, I mean, I think it, this can all be done on a continuum of scale. You know, for her, it was seven to 8,000 people. This could be done for 700 to 800 people. This could be done for 70 to 80 people, or it could be done to 700 to 800,000 people. It's just the the principle is all the same. It's just a matter of like when you're dealing with big brands like Lysol Walmart, you have the resources to hire so that you can actually manage those larger groups. But, you know, you could do this as a single person too, yeah. you know, for your info-based business or your e-commerce store or, you know, your drop ship business that you've got going on right now. This can be all done that way. And then as you make more money, like we, you know, we tell a lot of our customers, as you make more money, that's not time to go out and buy the Lamborghini. That's time to reinvest in people and resources so you can grow and scale. And, you know, Walmart didn't get there overnight. It was certainly, it was a process for them. So I think no matter if you have hundreds of millions of dollars to spend, or you've got hundreds to spend, this strategy still works because you're still tapping into human nature, which, as we say over and over again here, doesn't change all that much. If it's changed at all in the course of human history, people still want to feel validated. They still want to feel that they've got some kind of value up front, like the content does matter. Obviously, coupons, you know, downloadable cheat sheets on how to make the best year ever for a school teacher, like that's valuable stuff. And it doesn't matter what your size, your scale is, the, the principles remain the same, whether you're trained by traffic person or whether you're Walmart. I agree. I was, I agree that like, you're right. You can go so small or so big and it's still the principles apply. And I can think of times that we limited groups to a hundred people and it worked mm -hmm. amazing. And those hundred people got a whole lot of value and I bet they converted big time. I know they did. And likewise, you can do it with 100,000 people. And so the principles apply. Give a whole lot of value and engage them and make them feel heard and listened to and like a part of a group. And people are going to invest in that. So the whole, the the Facebook pop-up group strategy, which you, know, you guys were doing six or seven years ago with, with this Walmart promotion, like what, what would be your advice to people who are listening to this episode here and, and thinking, hmm, that's a really interesting strategy. I mean, I might not have a $3,000 product, but I'm not selling Lysol wipes. But like, I think this is a great way for me to engage people and to differentiate myself in the market. What would be your recommendation coming from a very large brand standpoint uh, to those types of people who are listening today? Yeah. So I have a couple recommendations. And one of them is to make it super, super focused, like Molly's had it focused on her mini class. And, you know, Walmart's was on ideas for online grocery pickup. And Elmer's, we did one for Elmer's, which I can talk about in another episode. So stand by, where it was all about learning with STEM. And I did one for James Patterson launch, where it was all about a certain book that he was launching and how you could use that in your classroom. But whatever it is, you keep it about that and nothing else, because otherwise it turns into this like crazy mess. My other thing I recommend is really, really delivering value. Like you want people to feel like they are so privileged to be in this group and they are so fortunate to have that opportunity. And that means you have to offer more than just a coupon, honestly. You have to offer, like we said, something that's very valuable that people are going to want. And then the third thing is, is make sure you have, like Molly said, make sure you have structures in place to make people feel like they're really important and they're valued because if you don't have good community management, then turn off comments. And if you do have good community management, make sure you're managing it and you're keeping the group focused and controlled because I think we've all seen groups get way out of hand. Yeah. I think that's sometimes people's uh, fear 
because I mean, <laughs> we manage a couple of Facebook groups and I always sort of feel like it's out of control. I mean, we sort of have, I mean, they're paid members, so obviously they can sort of post whatever they want, but it's a hard thing if you're doing it all on your own and you know, you've got thousands of comments that you have to uh, deal with. I mean, obviously Molly had had help with her group and, you know, set some controls in place. And you always sort of feel like, oh, there's some people that ask questions and the way that Facebook groups are is like, it's not super easy to scroll through comments and make sure that you're not missing anything. And, you know, even if you have your notifications set on a certain way, I think that is sometimes people's fear. I know it's certainly my fear with, you know, managing a number of different Facebook groups and being a part of a bunch of others that tag me all the time. It's like, it can get out of control unless you set up the controls, you know, really early on, or you have staffing, you know, in your case with the Walmart and the Lysol promotions, obviously you guys had staffing to control that. But I mean, I think that is one of the fears that people might have with this is that it might be this runaway freight train that they'll never really catch up to. Yeah. You can always shut it down. That's what I think. And I, (laughs) but I also think that like, you're right. Like if you do not have the capacity to control a group, you shouldn't open one. Because it right. does have to be highly valuable. And if it's a runaway freight train, it's not highly valuable. Right. And with both of these examples here, and even with the the Elmer's example, which I'd love to have you back on to talk about, it's like you did shut it down after a certain period of time. and and But the content is still there that they can access. Like, how do you sort of, how do you close it out at the end? So if it's like a challenge in its short term, like we closed the Lysol one out with our beautiful classroom makeover video and the content is still available. You can get it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of them, you just kind of shut it down. Like the other ones, we had all these ideas. The ideas are all available on websites. It's just, you're not the first access anymore. You're not special anymore after, you know, after everything's launched, but you can still use the content. Do some brands maintain sort of evergreen Facebook groups as well. I mean, I'm not really as tuned into some of these larger brands. Like we're obviously talking about sort of a temporary pop-up group, but I would imagine a lot of them sort of will transition maybe some of these members over to like the big group that they're managing or maybe not. What's your experience there? Yeah. My agency ran several pretty big Facebook groups for brands Mm -hmm. and Generally, they run their normal Facebook page and then groups are like topic specific. So for example, we worked with Sanford Health and they ran like a Fit Kids Facebook group where people and teachers and parents could get fitness ideas for kids and it went online. It went on and on. It was continuous, but it wasn't like Sanford Health Facebook group. It was like Fit Kids. Got it. Um, Similarly, we did one for Pepsi. And again, it wasn't like Pepsi, drink Pepsi Facebook group. It was a recycling challenge one. It's their recycle rally. And it was where people could get ideas on how to bring recycling up. But it was sponsored by Pepsi. So like I said, they're generally um, very topical, very well managed, and very like, if somebody posts something off that topic, it's not left up. Got it. Got it. So I think that's that's the key to it all. We see these groups popping up. You know, I mean, we're, <laughs> we've certainly done this and we've certainly had our customers do this as well, where it's, it's not necessarily the brand, but it is a certain subset or category that is related to the brand, but people aren't going to come to a group and say, you know, I love Pepsi. Let's talk about Pepsi all day. <laughs> Facebook group. Well, I maybe mean, they will. Hopefully but, not. That's kind of weird. I think, yeah, you have to have a topic. Right. Right, something that's super relevant. So, and yeah, I'm always, and so we see brands doing this pretty much like all the brands that you've worked with 
in the past? Have they had some kind of sort of evergreen Facebook group on topics? I don't want to say all the brands because not every brand does. Um, Not every brand is even on Facebook, but I would say that when they do have an evergreen group and it's successful, it's on a topic. A lot of them try to do things like you said. They'll be like, let's have people talk about Pepsi all day. And you're like, cool idea. No one's going to do it other than your employees, (laughs) but try. Be crickets in there. Yeah. Right. No, super, super interesting. Like it's just one more way, you know, and a Facebook group, by the way, is free to set up. Let's just make sure that we understand that. Like this is not something that is going to cost you money to set up. The management of it could be sort of more of the challenge, but you know, you can use that sort of in an evergreen way, but also in an episodic way through launches and through challenges. And uh, I think the examples that you talked about here are really, really relevant, especially, you know, to people who are, uh, you know, I don't have an info product like Molly Pittman, but I am trying to create a tribe right now and create a brand that also is relevant and useful to people and not just the end goal of them just purchasing my stuff. You know, there's got to be more to it than that. Otherwise, those Lysol customers are going to be heading over to Clorox. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because the Clorox so, will engage I mean, you them. you want to create that group and that feeling that, yeah, of belonging. And Facebook groups are a great way to do it, especially during launches, like you had mentioned here. So we'll definitely have to have you back. I'm very interested to hear about the James Patterson one, like how to sell a book with a Facebook group, uh, as well as Elmer's Glue and some of the stuff that you've done there. So this has been awesome. So everything that we mentioned here in the show notes, uh, we will provide for you all here. And Aaron, thank you so much for coming on this week's show. Make sure you head on over to digitalmarker.com forward slash podcast. That URL is going to change at some point in time. Any update on that when we can expect to give a different URL on perpetual traffic? Any inside scoop we can give our listeners here, Aaron? I was really hoping I would have said last week, but I have not said last week. We are so close. We're just working on a few last, making sure our RSS feeds stay up and everything stays and we don't lose all of these old episodes. But I would say within the next two weeks at the very longest. Yeah. And uh, if you want to hear about some of the challenges that we've had and that that Amanda is now facing and just sort of the switches over from digital marketer to the new, new perpetual traffic.com URL, make sure you do listen to uh, episode 272. That's a episode unto itself, a gargantuan task you guys are taking over here. But at the end of the day, it's all about you, the listener, and uh, providing the great experience and continuing to provide this type of content, whether you're a small marketer spending 10 bucks a day or whether you're a major brand spending $10 million a month, uh, we've got something for you here at Perpetual Traffic. So head on over for right now for all the resources and the show notes and all the goodies that Aaron and Molly had mentioned to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 273. Until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.